what the hex your source for warhammer underworlds and under 30 upgrades that were never really there i'm your host davy with me my co-host phil who i hope is really there i might Uh-oh. be i might not be. <laughs> <laughs> no i'm doing good uh right. excited to talk about these illusions yeah um as you could conclude from this we've got uh, a focus on the illusory might rivals deck um and uh, specifically, we're going to try and look at it uh, from the perspective of using it as um, as a rival stick rather than uh, chopping it up into championship play. Um, and we'll talk more about the reasons for that when we get back to it. But uh, in the meantime, uh, for context, uh, we're recording this the last weekend in January, uh, closing in on Adepticon. LVO is going on right now. Unfortunately, it sounds like uh, things really fell through for some events there. So uh, there are only a small handful of players in the Underworlds events there. Um, Maybe we'll get some more insight onto why exactly that happened um, down the line. So, Um, but uh, we got a few community shout outs here. Um, Phil, you got anything that you wanted to touch on? Yeah. uh, In a pretty similar topic to what we're discussing today uh, on the set the tempo blog compact wrote an article about Godsworn gamers. Uh, I guess it's called warlords format uh, where he brought um, the dread pageant to a warlords event using the illusory might as part of that. Um, yeah. For those who don't know that warlords uh, thing is uh, you can bring just a straight rivals deck or you can bring your rivals your faction rivals and uh supplement with something else uh and that something else can be i think essentials uh or either the uh either the universal um rivals decks yeah so which is a like an interesting thing to have uh it sounds like it was a fairly well attended event and it sounds Mm -hmm. like it was fun so maybe that that format will catch on i don't know yeah um but regardless, it's interesting to see that uh, there was a lot of um, success had by grabbing up a bunch of the illusion stuff and um, taking advantage of some of the powerful synergies there with the Dread Pageant. So yeah. a good read um, and a timely topic. <laughs> yeah. Um, I There are uh, almost too many blogs to, uh, to detail, so I'm going to do kind of a sideways recommendation and say, uh, that you should take a look uh, on the discords. There's usually a, a, a content uh, sub channel. Is that what they call them on there? Um, uh, yes. <laughs> uh, where uh, as as content creators uh, create something, then they'll they'll post it up there. So it's a nice way if you uh, haven't looked at that in a while, you can kind of scroll through there and see who all is doing different things. I think uh, uh, underdog certainty of death from Mandarga's going, um, there's a new one called monkeys hex, um, and, uh, all <laughs> kinds of things. So, um, uh, also continuing, uh, since we're talking rivals worth mentioning, uh, battle mount, I'm about halfway through their second episode that, uh, uh talks about rivals decks kind of gives a, a close look at them working through the, uh, dire chasm war bands now. Um, and it's good. Listen. And then, uh, finally, I just wanted to, uh, say uh, an adios to jonathan davis uh for those who don't know he's one of the uh co-hosts of path to glory and he's uh, taking a step back for some other um 
family priorities and uh, other uh, just, you know, his, his own reasons and whatever. But uh, I just wanted to uh, basically say thanks for uh, all the all the content he's created over the years for this game, uh, be it on his blog uh, when he had that uh, resource for everything. Basically, for a while, it was really hard to figure out what was out there for, for Underworlds related content. And you could just yeah. go to his blog and uh, go chase it down. So um, best of luck to him moving forward. And then um, Jason Murray actually from Battle Mallet is uh, picking up his seat in the meantime. So he and Amon will continue Path to Glory. Uh, and that is that. Um, Phil, what the yeah. heck is going on with you? Well, uh, we played some fun Rivals matches recently. Uh, yeah. And I have started trying to figure out what the heck I want to do with uh black powder um Mm -hmm. most most of our matches have not gone particularly well i have (laughs) been playing his rivals deck though just to try and get a feel for the mechanics Mm -hmm. um that rivals deck is rough man i I tell you what (laughs) uh, if if you're planning to play rivals don't don't play with them uh unless you don't care about winning um (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. Uh, it's sort of an interesting, like, as far as new releases go, it, it's probably fallen somewhere, like, right in the middle of the power sort of curve at the moment, mm-hmm. which is probably a good place to be. But at the same time, it feels kind of rough trying to get him up and running. Mm. Uh, so I don't know. I'll have to try him out with champions. But um, as of right now, feeling like feeling like it might be a bit of a slog to figure <laughs> it out. All right. Um, well, myself, obviously I was in on those games. I, uh, also I'm trying to sort out what I need to, there's not all that much time before Adepticon. So, uh, I need to start practicing something, uh, picking what it'll be. And, um, at the same time, uh, trying to pick something that our local group can kind of hone each other against, you know, play, Mm-hmm. play something so i think we we noted that uh a lot of the guys here haven't played much against crushes and it's definitely something you need to be prepped for so um yeah. we we may do an episode on uh something like that of, of you know figuring out a I, we've done this in the past we're figuring mm-hmm. out what what you want to practice against and that sort of thing but um yeah i so have played more rivals recently than i have in a while and uh I also had played you know, a little while back, played some late coven rivals. I, you know, I, I really kind of like the format and I like it for, like you said, like you kind of, I mean, as rough as that deck is, I think you, if you start out playing with the rivals deck, you kind of force yourself to work through some of the cards and, and think a little bit more about them than you might otherwise do if you were to just dismiss it immediately. So, um, I think it's kind of a neat way to, uh, break in a, a new warband, you know, or familiarize with a, a, a new warband. So, uh, or a new universal rivals deck. So. <laughs> yeah. Um, so let's, let's do that. Uh, we'll, we'll be talking about them. So if you want a breakdown of, of how the cards apply in championship play, uh, there's plenty of blogs out there. Path to Glory's done an episode. There's, there's plenty of content where you can kind of look through that. We're, gonna go through it from the experience of like hey this is one of only two illusion uh, one of only two rivals decks that are universal 
Uh, and so who would use this deck is basically the, the question we kind of set out to explore a little bit. And then in the same way that I was talking about where you break in a new orb band by using the deck, you kind of, it, it sparked some ideas for me about, oh, okay, like maybe in championship play, like this, uh, this card is better or worse or different than I, than I thought here. So, mm-hmm. um, we'll, uh, we'll also be mentioning some lessons, uh, lessons learned from there. So, um, let's start it off. Can you break the deck down for us? Yeah. So at least just from a general construction standpoint, it's, it's a lot closer to what you'd sort of expect, um, from, uh, so I guess the, the the contrast is that we've been seeing a lot of the rivals decks from Infection uh, rival the decks recently not having the even balance of six surges and mm. six ends phase, um, which is was a little bit of a surprise when we started to see it, but it, it now looks like that's going to be sort of the pattern. Mm-hmm. Um, for Illusory Might, we do have a even mix. Uh, we have six surges, five end phase, one third end phase. So for an overall six to six uh, balance there. <clears throat> um, and then for the power cards, it's obviously got 10 ploys, but then you also have in the upgrades, not surprisingly, many illusions. Seven <laughs> yeah. of the upgrades are illusion upgrades, and then three of them are just your regular old pay a glory to equip them type upgrades. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it, it, it was interesting playing this thing because whoever was playing the illusion deck would get to the end of the game and like almost all their glory is unspent, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. And some, sometimes, sometimes the one or two that was spent was just like, I guess I'll do something with this, you know? So, yeah, it's like, I, I'll, I don't know. I've got all this glory. I'll throw on <laughs> something because I yeah. might as well. Um, and it, it changes some. I mean, not a lot about how you play, but it, it's uh, it's weird to think about. Um, you talked about this uh, split of surge and end phase. Uh, what you know, we, we talk about how the uh, objectives kind of lay things out for you, like what your what your general game plan is if you're playing this as a deck. What what did you find? Like what what is it uh, pushing you to do in general? Yeah. So so I found when I was looking at the deck to try and figure out like what what is this what do i feel like this deck is trying to do um and the objectives horrors in the dark lengthening shadows and out of time all sort of started to push me in this direction of thinking okay the deck wants you to be going into enemy territory and in some way caring about either feature tokens or objectives Mm-hmm. Um, and in a lot of cases, it actually doesn't really care which one. Um, so like, for instance, Horrors in the Dark is one of the surges here. You score it immediately after an activation. If you have two or more friendly fighters that are in cover hexes that are not in your territory, so there's the push in enemy territory thing. But then you can also score it if it's two or more friendly fighters holding objectives that are not in your territory. So they're sort of just saying, be standing on hexes, <laughs> you know, feature yeah. hexes in some way. Yeah, uh, it just has to be that they're both cover or both objectives. So we don't really right. care which. Right, and interestingly, cover is going to include any printed cover. True uh, on there, so not very many of those yet, but they no. are an option. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, so the, there are uh, 
there's that surge. Uh, trace the ley lines is, you know, a thing that cares about a particular objective number. Yeah. Um, uh, that was the thing I noticed. There's a couple couple spots where uh, you're trying to pay attention to what objective number is what. Um, and uh, I, I actually enjoy that pretty well. It creates a mini game. It's, it's kind of a lot of work for some of the One Glory thing. But I think the other thing we discovered in Rivals, One Glory goes, uh, is a lot bigger deal than, than it is in Championship, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh... I don't think we broke double digits in no, no. any of our games. So yeah, yeah one glory was is significant. It was usually yeah. the thing that turned the tide. Yeah, I think we had like a a nine nine with a tiebreaker, a nine seven, and then I think the closest to a blowout we had was like maybe nine six or something. Yeah, so. right. <laughs> um, but. Uh, these these are sort of the objectives we were talking about this after uh one of the games where i was like you know it seems like uh ways that it can get you some early glory like this deck especially with things like horrors in the dark um and then some of these other ones uh there's illusory nemesis where if your opponent plays an illusion you uh get a glory or when you play your third illusion in the round which like you said there's seven of them and then there's also cards that will go dig for them uh, mm-hmm. that's a way to get passive glory. And so I was like, yeah, this is, this is not bad. You can, you can get some of that seed glory. And I thought about it a little bit longer. I'm like, except you don't need seed glory in this deck. It's, it's so weird, right? Like, yeah, yeah. You can kind of, you're, you're really just playing to score it period. Like you just yeah. don't really care when yeah. you pick up the glory. Right. Uh, because the only three upgrades that are, uh, that you actually have to pay for is, Weapons Master, which is uh, basically great strength if you have a total of three upgrades, including that one on. Uh, Ephemeral Fortitude, which is the this fighter it has uh, four wounds, a wounds characteristic of four in rounds one and two and goes down to two. Uh, and the other one was uh, Shadow Master, Shadow Mover. Um, yeah. So some of those are situationally good. Some of them you, you know, I don't know. They, they, not always a whole lot of urgency to get some of those on. I, it's just something like Shadow Mover, though, getting getting some extra move on uh, early can be pretty pretty nifty. Um, yeah, especially I mean, if you get that that on plus one upgrade. I mean, plus one illusion. All of a sudden, somebody's at plus two speed, and you can uh, you can close the distance in a way that would be yeah. unexpected. So. I mean, it's it's a bigger deal than you'd think, but um, you know, you're not scrambling for plus move usually although yeah. maybe you are i mean if you're playing crushes or something mm. <laughs> <laughs> but uh yeah and and i think that you know well it's a pretty well balanced objective deck right i mean like yes there's some stuff in here that's a little difficult to achieve but nothing like that feels entirely impossible like it's yeah. not out of the realm of possibility for like I don't know if you if you really th- work at it most of these are doable i think the ones that hurt the most and sort of push you towards having to do specific things and like this sort of will lead us towards our why why these warbands discussions but like illusory titan is one that i think is actually pretty difficult it's it's a kill a, a, a score immediately for a kill but you have to have two illusion upgrades on the fighter who makes the kill. You get one, mm. one glory for that. Uh, so there's 
there's sort of this focus on having illusions, but it's usually like more than one, which is frustrating because, you know, with the way the power deck is structured, you don't really have a way to draw cards. So if you just don't have enough of them, you just can't do stuff, which I think is one of the more frustrating things that I found in trying to uh, actually run some of these. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, The, the deck itself it was was a little surprising, you know, when I was opening it up for the first time, I was like, okay, there's going to be 12 objectives in here and 10 of them are going to say illusion somewhere in their uh, text, you know, have something to do with that. And, uh, ends up not being the case. There's maybe four and then there's a couple others that are, that kind of tie in, you know, there's where certain number of upgrades or, or something like that. But, um, but I think that's good. It'd be a little too one note if it was all, all on the <laughs> yeah. one thing. Um, so um, I think the only other things I wanted to say in general about the uh, the objectives in particular was um, it's interesting how some cards that look like they might be stronger in championship like, or that you'd like, oh, I'd, I'd think about this in championship and rivals uh, are less so. I think we noticed there was a false apotheosis. So this is a surge that scores you two glory um, after a friendly fighter's attack action takes an enemy fighter with three or more upgrades out of action. Uh, like we said, our, our glory counts were pretty low. Uh, and so it, it's kind of this thing where uh, because they're not tuned up, uh, not only not only are they not going to be like you're I'm not going to score this early unless you're, you know, um, I don't know unless things are going really weird, uh, but you may not have a, a valid target at all. Like, uh, I don't think I, I not, none of us, neither of us have ever scored this one. Yeah. Um, and I know in, in, uh, the match where you were using this, this deck, I don't think I ever put three upgrades on a single person spread around, not, not out of intentional counterplay, but, uh, just cause I, I didn't have that much glory to spare yeah. or just didn't draw draw into the upgrades as well. So, yeah. I think there's also just few upgrades that you would really care to stack all on one fighter in a lot of the rival decks. Mm. So it's like, oh, you don't have just generic stuff like great strength, great fortitude that you're going to gonna be like, okay, best fighter is just going to keep stacking it up. It's like, no, well, you know, somebody who needs a weapon is going to get this weapon and then somebody who needs a defense bonus gets this defense bonus. And it's like, you're trying to spread everything out because it doesn't make sense to stack it all on one fighter. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, well, so in general, the the power deck, we already talked about a, a bunch of illusions. There's uh, several weapons in there. There's uh, some defensive tech, like uh, put you on guard, um, get your yeah. shields, that sort of thing. So there is uh, between that and then, you know, there's some, there's some push tech in the gambits. We, we are, thinking this is a push into enemy territory and fight them uh, with the way to maybe pick up if they're choosing not to engage there's some ways to get some glory on the way uh, if you need to. Um, and so that kind of informs some of our thinking about what factions. So what, uh, what came to mind for you for the factions? So I initially thought of factions that could uh, revive fighters because I thought that it'd be easier to have them like in enemy territory if you didn't care about them dying. Mm. Uh, but I then 
I didn't actually play with any of them because I sort of realized after playing against your warbands that you had chosen that I was like, yeah. no, that's not actually going to work very well. Uh, you'll lose a bunch of your illusions, probably won't get enough use out of them. You'll bleed a bunch of glory from having all these small fighters that can't like get much bonus. Mm-hmm. Um, and like being in enemy territory, you, you don't, you don't want to have to be spending so much time reviving your fighters just to score the like, Hey, I've got fighters standing in enemy territory things. Um, which ultimately led me to think that you want tougher, uh, war bands that are aggressive. And I thought that, uh, Magors actually fit the bill pretty well. They're all four wounds. They are all pretty good at hitting people. Uh, they have a minimum accuracy of two smash, which is never bad. <laughs> and then yeah. because uh, because this deck cares about standing on either cover hexes or objectives, having the ability to not be driven back is actually a really big deal. Yeah. Um, and so I felt like Gartok really helps you there. And having the gore fists in general as a way to swing back is uh, not going to be bad. It never actually came up. Um, mm. <laughs> you never missed either of them, but uh, well, I, I missed. Uh, I, there might have been a miss or two, but I, I did oh, try to make some attacks from range too. Yeah. yeah, like I, I, you've punished me enough with uh, those gore fists. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. So, um, so I sort of ended up feeling like yeah, being bigger, being sturdier probably matters a little more than having the ability to always be in enemy territory and i think that played pretty well Mm. in general yeah um what were your thoughts about warbands to choose um well one that i kind of came to uh vaguely didn't really think all that strongly about it but then uh listener console console jagel console jagel uh uh he or she uh, gave a heads up of like, hey, what do you think about spoilers with these? And I, I was like, yeah, I, I kind of thought about that. And then the the basically thought about it harder there. And it makes sense. Like they have varied wound profiles, which ha- help with the, um, the things that want you to have uh, a number of upgrades equal to your wounds or... Um, or uh, hold the right objective or that sort of thing. Uh, they've got guys who would absolutely love to have a better weapon than they are currently toting around. <laughs> so that's handy. Uh, and they have, uh, especially with Korsh, they have a, a way to get into enemy territory. Um, so uh, I, with relatively low risk, so that, that was kind of cool. Um, and so tried them out and then uh, kind of similar with the, um, with your thoughts on Magora, I thought maybe Wormspat. Um, who have good stat lines in general, like they're, they're big chunky people. Um, but especially for them because their rivals deck is not so great. Yeah. Um, they're, they're kind of on the hunt for something else. And so, uh, if nothing else, I thought it'd be worth checking it out with them. And I think there's some individual cards that actually play pretty well to them as well. So, um, that's kind of where we landed on that. What, um, what did you think about, uh, did, did you find any, um, interactions that were particularly cool with you guys or, you know, what, what, uh, uh, after experiencing with Magors, what did you, what did you have any thoughts or, or any of the ones that you're playing against, I guess? <laughs> uh, 
Um, so I'll start by just saying that with McGores, it really felt like they they could do pretty much everything that the deck needed them to do. There was never trouble trying to like stand on objectives. There was never any trouble with trying to hit enemy fighters. Mm-hmm. Um, they really they really could do the the range of what the deck is asking you to do, which uh, felt really good. Uh, in terms of how it actually played out, though, the timing was always just slightly off. So it was mm-hmm. like, you know, uh, so one of these in particular is like Shadow Match. It says, you know, I score this in an end phase if you have a friendly fighter that's holding an objective with a number equal to their wounds characteristic or uh, they have a number of upgrades equal to their wounds characteristic. So, I mean, this one pretty much meant I needed to be holding the objective that was four, which was very yeah. doable until you like went and stood on it. And then I was like, well, that's rude. <laughs> um, so, so yeah, I mean, like there's some timing things to figure out, but in, that all felt good in terms of like combos and stuff. Uh, I felt like having, um, so like blood rack mask felt, mm-hmm. I don't think against, uh, because you were playing with dread pageant when I played Magors. Mm-hmm. And so in a lot of cases you didn't need to, or want to be standing next to me. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, because the blender is, is not fun. <laughs> um, but blood rack mask felt really great on either Zarkus or Gartok. Cause it's like, mm. well, if you even want to attempt to attack me yeah. you're always at risk of getting gore fisted and then you know here let's just add one more free point of damage on as you approach these guys right uh which felt pretty great um i think both of the defensive bonuses are pretty good for them um and, and i actually think both of these defensive illusions feel really strong in general uh so illusory form you are just put on guard Mm-hmm. it's just strong mm-hmm. and then um phantom shield which gives you two block defense characteristics so yeah yeah uh, i mean it might as well just read plus one defense for these guys <laughs> for the most yeah. part I right mean, you could put on rip tooth i guess but i don't i don't he he inspires two dodge so i think he's usually better off without it um and obviously with two block zarkus and gartok have a much better chance of being able to use their gorefist as well so mm-hmm. Some fun stuff there. Uh, Shadow Mover, which I guess we didn't really run it down. Um, the way it, the way it works is that it's base plus one move when you have one upgrade, and obviously the upgrade itself will count. So you base just get plus one, but mm-hmm. then if you have two to four upgrades, you get plus two move. And if you happen to have five or more upgrades on your <laughs> fighter, they do get plus three move. Uh, I think usually you're just hitting this at the plus two. They get that two upgrade sweet spot and. Plus two move on anybody in the Magor Warband is feeling pretty good because uh, these fighters are all pretty deadly and being able to shoot across the board five or six hexes uh, was always nice to be able to have that ability to threaten. Yeah. Um, and I, I remember when you talked about thinking about uh, using Magors, my first thought was like, ah, I don't know if they need it because my brain keeps on going back to these weapons. I'm like, they they attack okay anyway uh but then thinking about it i'm like actually it makes a lot of sense because uh you have phantom darts which is a range three attack and phantom spear which is a range two attack yep um that lets them quite possibly get an attack around earlier than they would have otherwise which if they land that then they inspire uh and then 
that sets him up for better situation for later. And then Phantom Fist is really accurate. Um, Gartok and Zarkus get up to that three smash, but they don't start there. Yeah. Um, and you can set somebody else. You can come in and pummel them, stagger them, and then uh, let somebody else come finish the job. So. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's sort of the nice, like, on top of the fact that they all these weapons give you something that the fighters don't have to begin with. They also all have either, you know, like we said, fists have stagger. So mm-hmm. you can add some extra accuracy or damage. Uh, Phantom spear has cleave. So if you want cleave or if, it, if you know you need it, you've got that as an option to give mm-hmm. to your non cleave fighters. And then the darts, uh, they have grievous and, seeking which it says on the card is plus one dice if the target is in cover yeah uh which actually is pretty great because then you're on four fury at range yeah. three um yeah. with grievous so yeah the extra dice paired with grievous is, is a pretty big deal yeah so. that, that punishes people for standing in cover is pretty well yeah um so yeah i mean it, it, it like you said they don't necessarily need them but it gives them a toolbox of like extra options um and I also, something we discussed while we were playing is that all of these illusion upgrades are essentially just ploys. Yeah. There's, there's very little difference. I mean, they're, they're like persisting ploys that then have a pretty easy way to remove them as long as you have some sort of way to choose them with a power card. But there's not actually that many yeah. uh, choose ploys anymore that would target uh, an enemy fighter. Yeah, you kind of have to th- dig for them if you want them yeah. to be there. I think I undervalued uh, when I first saw them and when I was first thinking about illusions. I undervalued how handy it is to have uh, an illusion weapon upgrade uh, because it means that you know. So a lot of times you're you're trying to protect a particular piece, like like uh, I want Sepsimus to uh, be good late into the game, or or um, so if you're playing the spoilers, then. Uh, someone like Draknar, you, you kind of want to have him around later. Uh, but there's always this tension when you're playing with that deck where you're like, uh, I want to be able to have him land some knockout blows later, but I also kind of need to get some glory to get things going. And often he's a good candidate for that because he can use a ritual, reroll, lay that three damage in. If all of a sudden you can use your little guys, you know, send Gnarl forward with Phantom Fist, pick up something early uh you you can do that because you can put you don't have to get the glory before you make him useful yeah um and the the flip of it is uh with these range things like that that was a problem for your magors guys is that in those later rounds when you're down to one or two fighters uh if you're still just range one uh unless you're getting some push tricks or doing really well with positioning you're probably gonna get in the one attack off well put these on and all of a sudden you're good for several you know which Mm -hmm. so which is all to say that uh after playing several games with and against this uh deck i i am a lot uh a lot more positive on these on these illusionary weapons than i was before so yeah i uh i'm definitely gonna be giving them a much stronger look uh now for championship formats like there are going to be times where instead of taking like a plus one accuracy upgrade or a ploy might just throw in uh the upgrade now this is something we had discussed and i don't know 
I need to look at the rules again. So how does, because I know deck construction doesn't limit your upgrades. You just have to have an equal or more amount from gambits. Right. Can you take fewer than 10 gambits and then take extra upgrades in those gambit slots? Sure can. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so that that feels, I mean, that, that was having that revelation of being like, well, actually these illusions are pretty decent. Uh, and it really made me think like, what, how far could you or would you even want to take this? Like, would you do eight gambits and 12 upgrades with two or three of them being illusions if they're, if they're good? Um, or, or yeah, but even if you do it the other way, like there's, there's, so there's, there's that option. There's the, um, there's, I've got 10, I st go, still go with 10 gambits, but like three illusion upgrades. And then, then you're kind of like a, a 13, seven split for, gambits you know yeah um that that feels like it feels like you can really get turbocharged early with that right like you can you yeah, can play out a lot of stuff so there would be decks that it's like hey i don't really care about upgrades my fighter is good enough you know by themselves i just need to make, have that that burst at one time like haha surprise i get you know bonus accuracy bonus damage mm. and bonus move off of these ploys and now i'm going to come and get you yeah um and in in that conversation where we, we were talking about it like if you did go uh if you did do something like you know let, let's go something relatively conservative like eight gambits uh 12 upgrades but of those upgrades three of them are illusions or something then then you are you're still playing at a speed and tempo that is actually better than it used to be, you know, because, uh, you have, you have your, uh, sort of 11 pseudo gambits, um, uh, but you're, you have 12 upgrades and then you can put silver lining in, like you're much more likely to draw into a, a four upgrade hand. Right. Um, yeah. and that's a, that's a pretty nice passive, uh, score in there. So, uh, it's, it's interesting to see how, how much this mechanic gets in there. But, uh, I honestly, I think the ability to score something like silver lining, which your opponent really can't mess with is, it's pretty powerful. You know, it's a, if, if you can stack the odds in your favor, that's a really good surge. Um, and it's almost worth, you know, it's almost worth taking a look at just for that reason. Uh, some of these illusions. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think we will, likely continue to see illusions throughout this whole season and mm. it looks like because they have this limited effect that they are willing to make them pretty strong um which may turn out to be a mistake like these <laughs> might be these might be better than we're we're sort of thinking that they maybe initially were like like we know that upgrades that just say this fighter is on guard have historically yeah. been restricted because yeah. they are very strong. Uh, being able to just pop that out right when you need it and not have mm -hmm. to worry about paying glory for it, like that could be a game changer. Uh, there, there is some stuff that is just like there's some crazy stuff. I, we didn't even talk about it, but there's another one here: false presence. Mm. It's a, effectively it's a teleport. If you have a way to break this on demand, so like if you have a choose in your own pl uh, ploys, 
when this illusion breaks, you get to take your fighter and place them on a starting hex in your territory. Mm. So it's like, it's not exactly like Fainway Crystal, but it's kind of like that. Yeah. Um, and that was a powerful card that got tons of use. So yeah. Uh, I don't know. Um, it's worth exploring. Uh, we we're kind of going down the rabbit hole of like how how does this stuff <laughs> affect championship? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I think it's worth mentioning. Um, play around with this stuff. Like I don't I don't think that anybody's used them enough yet to have a really strong idea. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I think it's something that's worth exploring. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I'd agree. I, I got that false presence out. On somebody, I think I was trying to score because it was Wormspad. A, a reason that one one pro for Wormspad is that uh, there's Masters of Illusion. You can score it after uh, a power step if each surviving friendly fighter has an Illusion upgrade. Um, that's a card that benefits a smaller warband. Um, yeah. And so I remember putting out that uh, uh, the card you were talking about, False Presence, the teleport one, putting it out so that I could get this. And then I ended up in an awkward situation where at the end of the round it it broke because it's an illusion. And I was like, Oh, well now I got to pick up Septimus and put him back down. In my territory. <laughs> and, and, uh, and I was actually trying to get him into enemy territory. So this is a little awkward, but yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, it was, but you know, there's a lot, like we said, there's a lot of good stuff in there. Um, for worm spat too. the, some of the weapons like the, I feel like they don't benefit as much as Magor's, did uh since Golgotch is already on three smash um so yeah phantom fist is just kind of like a you know it's slightly better because he will stagger somebody if he lands it but Golgotch wouldn't mind getting some darts um and then the the spear uh with cleave is handy there um but uh but they really like uh phantom shield uh very pre-inspire that's good on all of them even post-inspire it's excellent on fecula um just to help you with that damage reduction. It's just good right off the bat. Blood Rack Mask. I mean, Fecula's even wearing it, so uh, in the art. Um, mm-hmm. And it helped you towards that Inspire, which is pretty fun. Uh, so so good stuff there. Um, the uh, it, it was fun to like, like oh yeah, like I, I'm drawing my hand and uh, often you look at your hand and you're like, okay, well, somehow I've got to unlock half my hand by getting some glory to be able to spin in the first place. And here, like, no, I can use everything in my hand <laughs> yeah. is, is, uh, is usable. Pretty amazing. Um, I think, uh, I think a key card for this, which even thins it more is that, uh, illusory find, which is the yeah. gambit, uh, because you have, I, I found that actually to be pretty useful. Uh, I was usually less about digging for a, particular i guess i should define lose refine real quick this is the keep revealing cards off the top of your deck until you get to uh an illusion put that in your hand and then shuffle your deck back up um i didn't find it as often being a thing where i was searching for a specific illusion uh but what i was trying to do is have enough illusions in hand to score illusory nemesis uh or masters of illusion or just get enough upgrades to do like illusory titan you know um all, all of which are surges. So, uh, that, <laughs> yeah, that, that gambit, I, I don't know. I thought that was pretty good actually. Um, again, I, better, better than I gave it credit for. So I definitely agree when you know you've, so here's the fun thing that you could do with this. Like 
obviously in this deck, there's just a lot of illusions. So you're sort mm-hmm. of like, well, I know I'm going to pull something and I can probably use something out of it because they're all kind of useful, as we've been saying. And there's a lot of things you need illusions for to score and you need more than one. So it's like, OK, here I can get another one. But <laughs> it specifically just has you dig until you find an illusion. If you only put one illusion in your deck because you know that it's like, hey, it's sort of that that extra piece that helps unlock something for this warband. Yeah, you, you have a way to just go dig and find one specific card. Like we've never done anything like that in Underworlds before, and that's pretty cool. And there's like no downside. Uh, yeah. I mean, just double check. Uh, yeah, no, there's no there's no downside. I mean, you you just replace this ploy for that illusion. That's, that's yeah. all you're doing. I think. Um, uh, Aman over at Path to Glory would argue that the downside is that you showed all the cards that you have in your deck. Uh, to yeah, your that is certainly a downside. Um, but, you know, by the time you got into rounds two and three, assuming mm-hmm. you play three rounds, it, it, you know, if if you know that even you're in a situation where you're like, hey, if I just pull out, you know, I don't know, if I just pull out the thing that puts me on guard, and I no mm-hmm. longer can be driven back. And that's going to win me the game. I don't care yeah. if anybody else sees <laughs> the rest of my deck. I want to win. Sure. I, my, my argument is uh, maybe less about showing what cards you have in your deck, but uh, more about giving some information about your hand, right? So if I'm watching you sure. turn cards over and there is you know, a critical card like Furious Reprisal or uh, Shared shared pain shared agony what whatever the uh mm-hmm. the one that always destroys me in dread pageant um <laughs> uh some of those some of those cards really will shape it around where you're uh and then if you see it go by like okay it's not in there or it's not in their hand right now uh that that can i'm not i this is not an argument to say that i think illusory find is bad i think it's i think it's uh decent and then situationally great if you kind of build around it um but again, probably not a card I would have thought was worth including, but having been forced to play it because I was playing Rivals, uh, it really kind of opened my eyes to it. So, Agreed. Um, it's good specifically in this deck, and I think it made us think about the ways that it might be good in Championship. So. Yeah. So we haven't really talked about a lot of these other gambits, but I think it's worth mentioning a few of them. Um, so a lot of them are pretty basic. Uh stuff that you would kind of be like yeah okay whatever Mm -hmm. um i think one that is not good but is probably worth mentioning because of the mechanics that it's playing with are new to the game but um phantom retrieval yeah this one lets you pick one or more illusion upgrades in your discard pile and then you have to discard two power cards from your hand (laughs) for every illusion that you picked from your discard pile and then you yeah. get to return those illusions to your hand. So just right off the bat, the math doesn't really make sense because you're spending one card to go get a card that you then have to discard two more cards for. So you're spending three cards to get one. That's not yeah. a good deal. No. And if you wanted to get two, then it's five. You'd have to discard your whole hand to get two <laughs> illusions. Like that does not make sense to me. Um, I love the concept. I like the idea of having like a 
card that lets you go get a card back. Yeah. Uh, but I think the price is way too high. Uh, even some of these that are good, it's like, nope, that's never going to make sense. If you built your deck right, you don't have two cards to just throw away. Yeah. So here's, uh, I have two thoughts on this. Uh, one, I think they, I'm sure they considered making this like just a straight up go into the graveyard or a discard one. And I think, uh, I think they're worried that it might make their design space too tough with other, like if they, if they made a particularly powerful illusion and then you got to double down on it. Yeah. So I think they probably Obviously. chose the conservative route on this. Uh, there's one other card in this deck, uh, Phantom Denial, which also involves a discard. Um, that one uh, is a reaction. If somebody has chosen one of your fighters that has an illusion, then you play that Phantom Denial card and discard a power card from your hand. And then that uh, basically it, it negates, it just you know, cancels out the, the choose gambit that uh, the person was using has no effect. Uh, these kind of cards that have the uh, the forced or the, the choose to discard extra cards from your hand uh, feel rough, right? Like, and we already yeah. talked that uh, Phantom Retrieval is is an awfully high cost. However, what I learned playing it in Rivals is that the nature of one of these Universal Rivals decks is that there are going to be cards in there that don't perfectly line up with your Warband, right? Like, yes, um, you know, uh, I we can talk more about like weird corner cases, but this ephemeral fortitude where you get boosted up to wounds four uh, in round one and two, and then down to wounds two in round three uh, worms bet, not particularly interested in that card. Um, so it ends up being fodder for these. And the thing is that you can't make one of these universal decks that will have, it'll either be, it'll either be incredibly boring and everything will have some very, very, you know, basic utility. Like you could have 10 gambits that are all plus one, attack dice to your next attack action or something like that then sure yes that those are all usable by any warband but it's not very interesting if you're going to build an interesting deck there's by the nature of it there's going to be cards in there that are not useful for some warbands and when you include things like this like phantom retrieval and phantom denial with the discard thing you basically give those cards utility again you say sure you can't play it but it can fuel these other things and i think i think that's a pretty clever innovation with these um so I, from the perspective of it functioning as a rivals deck, I think that's a, that's a pretty cool idea to have in there. Yeah, I, uh, I would definitely agree. Like, and, um, I think, I think there are a lot of decks for, um, the warband specific rivals setups that would actually kind of like to have stuff like this. <laughs> There's so yeah. many like, oh man, this is this is a really bad card. Like there's so few ways to actually use this, that having a way to just have it be, uh, a, you know, a, a cost that you pay for another good card is actually yeah. pretty nice. And, and I mean, Phantom Denial, I think actually has a very strong effect. Uh, the, yeah. the thing that holds it back is that it, it's only if the fighter has an illusion upgrade on it. Yeah. Like if you had a way to just say, Hey, anything that chooses my fighter, I can just, stop it as long as i am willing to throw away another power card like mm -hmm. i think mm -hmm. there would be a ton of use for something like that mm -hmm. um, yeah but as it is it, it it's probably too limited because you have to have an illusion on them yeah um, so it works well in this deck but you probably don't play it in championship 
Yeah, we had a pretty good moment on this where I, I yeah. thought I was being super clever. I had, uh, it was Vicious Barbs. Uh, Hadzu had somehow survived a close encounter with Magor and was like, hey, check this out. Before I run away, I'm going to uninspire this dude, break his illusion, and get out of dodge. <laughs> and uh, I was I was already like planning, you know, step two, three, and four of that. And you're like, actually, I'm going to phantom denial that. I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> Shut down. And like, <laughs> That one in particular was such a huge thing to be able to turn off because uninspiring Magor meant that I didn't have anybody with three damage anymore. So yeah, yeah, uh, it was like, nope, we're gonna keep Magor in here to chop everybody as best he yeah. can. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was kind of horrifying. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, well, there was another interaction that we uh, we kind of happened across. Um, it was a bigger deal in uh, the. The decks with bigger fighters like uh, Wormspat and um, and Magors and uh, didn't really come up when I was trying it with the spoilers. But uh, Siphon Vigor was a little bit better um, than you would have thought, specifically because how it interacts with this deck. And then, you know, in theory, if you were to go illusion heavy um, in another format, then uh, then there's this as well. The main thing here, I guess, is that so Siphon Vigor says that you use a gambit, choose a friendly fighter, and heal the fighter according to the number of upgrades that fighter had when you played the card as shown below. Mm -hmm. Then you break each of their upgrades. So -hmm. obviously, if you play this on a fighter with uh, illusions, you're going to break all their illusions. Even just from choosing them, they would all have broken anyway. Yeah, yeah. Um, But since they're all going to break at the end of the round, no matter what, yeah. you can kind of wait until the end of the round last power step you're like okay i've got a fighter who's wounded in any amount and you can heal them up something uh, as yep. long as they have an illusion so you're like yep. well and rather than just throw these away let's get some use out of them heal a little bit i think we both ended up only using it for a heal one but in both cases it was a, a fighter who was one and in rivals uh one health is a, a pretty big deal it was you know it was taking people out of uh, one shot kill range so yeah uh, definitely since uh damage can be tough to come by so uh it, it is a card if you look at and you forget that illusions exist you're like this is one of the worst cards i've you know like <laughs> why would i want to break that many like yeah. how desperate would i have to be but again in in this deck it works pretty well and i, I think if you were going illusion heavy then uh it would too um there is one card that it didn't matter what faction we were running uh, was just uh, not at all good. Was um, Shady Bargain? Yeah, it's, it's such a weird inclusion. I like it as a card, honestly. Uh, but in this deck, uh, here's it says: uh, uh, give one upgrade to one friendly fighter without spending glory. Then pick one opponent. That opponent uh, can give one upgrade to any one of their fighters without spending uh, any glory points. Uh, the art is awesome on this. You know, it's a uh, crook grin and uh, Drizkit, I think. Yeah. Uh, doing some some uh, back alley deals here. Uh, but in this deck specifically, it's you you will not be at a shortage for glory. Like you're you only have three cards in your deck that you could even use this on because the other seven upgrades you have don't need any glory to put out. Uh, and so this feels like the upside is just way too big for the opponent for, you know, for what you yeah. get. Yeah. But, um, 
Absolutely. So it, it was just it was just a strange one to include in this deck. But yeah, I mean it's like obviously there have to be things in here to just get cards out into the, you know, ecosystem. Yeah. But this is such a strange choice that like it just it, it's never going to make sense. Um in this in rivals format. Yeah. Like, uh but that being said, <laughs> for championship, I think this card has some uses. Um one that we had sort of pondered about is like, if you run this in black powder, are you putting your opponent in a really tough position? Yeah. Uh, because, you know, you want to be able to break their upgrades. So I know it felt like in some of the games we were playing where like you just weren't playing upgrades necessarily or not right away. Well, yeah. Um, also specifically because some of what we were playing, you were playing into uh, illusory might <laughs> well so. i mean that that definitely hurt too i <laughs> yeah. definitely hurt yeah um but yeah i mean so so there's there's definitely some use for this card free upgrades are never bad i think you do have to really consider whether your upgrades are going to be worth giving your opponent an upgrade um mm. i guess you could also play this when your opponent has no cards in hand yeah and then you're like well cool i get a free thing and you can't um but Either way, sort of the odd duck in this power deck. Yeah. Um, um, yeah. There was uh, one interaction that I did not get to pull off, but wanted to, um, or I, I guess I should say in uh, in retrospect, I wished I'd tried to set it up. Um, and that's transfer of power. I don't think this is a particularly powerful card, no. uh, but in, in a deck that has a lot of illusions, there's the chance that it could be this is choose two friendly fighters who each have one or more illusion upgrades uh and no um no charge tokens no charge tokens so they could have a move but just no charge uh and then place each fighter in a hex uh that is occupied the uh, by the other um specifically with the spoilers uh, i thought it'd be pretty cool to get korsh to drop in uh at the end of round one and then in round two uh, do a swaparoo um, and get uh, get your heavy hitter, get Draknar um, dropped in and start rampaging around in the back. That that felt like a, a way to get some kind of surprise in there. But uh, it's a really long range potential teleport. Pretty yep. exciting. Um, on the board, which is nice. Yeah. The, the setup, though, is awfully tough. Um, yeah. Both of them have to have illusions, which i mean two illusions out of seven that's pretty significant and then since you're choosing those fighters those illusions are going to break oh i didn't um, even so you're also getting rid of your illusions to do this yeah oh man also pretty rough you broke my um, dream <laughs> <laughs> i'm sorry to rain on your parade here a little bit but it's it's Potentially powerful if you have a good reason for needing, like, I think, so if you did this with, like, Hrothgorn and a Noblar or something, it would feel awful for your opponent, yeah. right? It's like, oh, no, all of a sudden Hrothgorn's just in the middle of all my stuff. But, um, I, yeah, I mean, it feels like a tough setup. I think, mm. so the only other card that I think we've ever seen that does something like this is in Eyes of the Nine, and that one has a range restriction, but it's just pick two fighters and swap their places and yeah i've had a hard time even using that card um 
it always sounds good on paper. And then in reality, you're like, well, wait a minute, what am I actually swapping here? Like <laughs> the, the setup is tough. So, yeah. Yeah. It would have been fun to pull off. I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know that it would have uh, uh, been as good as we would have liked. Um, yeah. I would have done it. And then you're like, okay, well now break your up, uh, break your illusions. And I'd be like, what? <laughs> no, my plans. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, which actually that was another point is it was a little hard to remember to, um, break, uh, break illusions when a fighter was chosen. Um, I think, uh, we had to come up with like, where I just forget that I was going to either break my own or, um, or break yours. If I, you know, especially if the, the choose thing that I was doing, like I think I did lure of slanish on somebody and I wasn't even thinking like, Oh, I want to break this guy's, uh, illusion. Mm-hmm. I was like, I just, I needed to be standing somewhere else. Um, didn't impact the game, but we forgot to break it until the end of the round. It's like, Oh, right. Weird. Um, yeah. So, um, but to that effect, you know, we were hypothesizing about, uh, some of the, uh, deck changes that could, could happen. I wonder if you see, uh, enemy choose things, uh, pick up, um, pick up in frequency. So. Yeah, maybe. I, I think yeah. right now anyway, you won't see it unless people are already running them just coincidentally. Um, but maybe I don't even have to just go and look right now. I don't even know. I don't pay that close attention to it. Yeah. It's like, yeah, it targets enemy fighters, whatever. But some of them yeah. just say like push an enemy fighter and I'll yeah. just say like choose an enemy fighter and then do something with them, which sort of an interesting uh, convention to have choose be its own separate keyworded thing. Mm hmm. Uh, I'll tell you who has a lot of choose apparently is uh, dread pageant. It felt like every card I drew yeah. is like, Oh, uh, okay. Well, I guess I could choose, uh, you know, so I, that was, that was besides just being a, a powerful, uh, rivals deck in general, um, because there were so many choose options <laughs> for them. It was, uh, it's like, okay, well, this is a little, a little rough. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah. Um, and I suppose that kind of uh, leads us into the question of like, A, where do we see, now that we've played with this deck a bit, where do we see it fitting into an a Rivals meta? If we can sort of say that there is a Rivals meta, I don't know how much it's being run in that sense. Hmm. And uh, did, were there any other decks that you thought, or any other Warbands now that you've played with the deck that you feel like should have probably been a better pick or maybe a, an interesting one that we didn't try? Well, I'll go with the uh, I'll go with the first part of that um, rivals meta. Uh, I think it's solid specifically because it, like we said, it felt like things were generally scorable. Even even um, we didn't really talk about it, but their their third end phase one that's oh, that's yeah. a big ask, but it's also not impossible. Like um, yeah, I think the the big score in the Silent Menace. Uh, was the you have to have four fighters with charge tokens and <laughs> yeah none have to is it i don't know like they so can't ridiculous. be dead or damaged or, it was it was like whoa that is basically impossible like you're you have to be the luckiest person in the world and uh the the one here for uh uh for this was uh descending tide descending tides uh and that is 
you have to uh, have two or more surviving friendly fighters, and each of them has to be holding an objective in enemy territory. Again, like a pretty big ask, but not impossible. And especially, yeah. um, especially with these kind of aggro uh, with Wormspat who are tough, or with Magors who uh, are actually pretty decent at staying where they want to be, um, thanks to Zarkus and Gartok. Um, that that felt like a thing that that could have happened, and uh, three glory would have blown one of these games wide apart. And, you know, it would have yeah, yeah. I mean, being able to pick that up would have definitely meant that the game is being swung. Like, yeah. No question. Uh, anyway, which is all to say that I this is this is an example of like I think all of a sudden Magors can do something in rival. Like you can bring Magors to a rivals format thing because they can work with this. Yeah. Um, I, uh, I think it's good enough that there's other, you know, I think Wormspat, it didn't blow me away with them, but it, it also felt like workable. Um, so I, I think, uh, I think it's good enough to have fun with, um, in rivals. And I, I don't think it's going to unseat like, you know, whoever the, whatever Hrothgorn with all his insanity and, um, you know, some of the, yeah. some of the turbo mode rivals, um, crushes uh rippers uh the the really good rivals decks probably aren't too worried about somebody bringing this but i think this this uh has you solidly in the mix and it's it's fun because it it holds together well enough to let you bring some of the season one and season two warbands in a way that uh the silent menace probably doesn't yeah for sure um that was definitely my feeling as well it was like hey uh we can actually play rivals now with any warband like not yeah. that you necessarily need to be able to do that because the availability of a lot of those old warbands has gotten to the point where like cool if you've got them like it's fun but there's a lot mm -hmm. of people who don't and can't find them like even just the models are hard to come by sometimes mm -hmm. um so like it's not like it's a necessary thing to be able to pull all of them back into rivals but i think it's cool that it is an option um yeah and I feel like it, it's it's certainly better than uh, the other uh, rivals standalone deck, the uh, Silent Menace. Silent Menace, sure. Silent Menace was, I'd say the ploys and stuff are good. The objective deck just didn't make any sense at all. Um, yeah. And that's, I think, what killed that one for rivals. It's just like, how are you supposed to do this stuff? <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. All those uh, strikes, the ones yeah. that had to happen on like the first, first activation. First activation yeah. of the round, killed with a range three attack. It's like, what are you, what are you expecting <laughs> me to be doing with this exactly? Yeah. Um, but yeah, so we feel like it fits in fairly well in the meta. Uh, we still don't feel like it's top tier. We, you know, the big three destruction war bands are still <laughs> holding holding serve there. Yeah. Um, but you know, it's it's at least middle of the pack and lets you play stuff. Uh, now that you have played with this deck and played against this deck, do you think there are any other warbands that you would want to try it with, or think that it would be better on than the ones we have already done? Uh, I don't know about better. I would like. I would. I mean, you made the suggestion of uh, Spike Claws Swarm. I'd like to at least see it. You know. Um, yeah. It has so interestingly. This is is not something we mentioned, but the the I, I mentioned in passing the two couple of good pushes. There's cover of darkness, 
which is uh, pick one, gamuts cannot deal damage, uh, persist mm-hmm. until the end of the next power step, or uh, push one friendly fighter up to two hexes into a cover hex. And then the other one is phantom advance, which is push each friendly fighter with one or more illusion upgrades up to one hex towards the nearest friendly fighter. Uh, neither of those say choose, so you're not choosing a friendly. So those those work well together with this deck in that they don't you can get those push and you don't break your own illusions by doing so. Yeah. Um, if you have them up with spike claw, it's a little weird because you, you do want to be able to choose friendly fighters. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so you can inspire them. Uh, but it, it puts a weird thing of like, okay, I'm going to put an illusion on my guy. Uh, now opponent, uh, you can, uh, you can choose to break my illusion, but then I will inspire for it. So, yeah. um, I think a lot of the guys in the warband maybe don't you don't really care if they inspire too much. Um, I mean, from the opponent's perspective, you're like, fine, you know, uh, Festering Skaven can have an extra dice on his attack, whatever. Uh, but it does make him harder to kill down the line. And Scritch definitely, definitely gets a lot out of it. So um, yes. that's... Uh, that's an interesting. I, I I would like just to see how how that that interaction goes. Uh, putting people in like a lose lose, like mm-hmm. break my upgrade and inspire me, or leave me with my upgrade. So yeah, yeah. And I mean, it, it does allow for the like mini missiles, right? You you take yeah. lurking, festering, and hungering, throw one of the weapons on them, and just throw them in. And it's like yeah, yeah. Okay, whatever. Lurking Skaven, you now have you know three smash, two damage on two dodge. Mm-hmm. it's not bad yeah um so yeah i mean and it, it'd be interesting i think my whole thing when i was originally looking at them was like oh yeah there's all this stuff about being in enemy territory and holding stuff in enemy territory and then as long as you can keep scripture alive you should guarantee that you can have fighters in enemy territory yeah um problem is you might be giving up one glory for every fighter you want to put in enemy territory which could definitely lose you the game yeah yeah Uh, yeah. just kind of rough sure um did you i guess uh, the the other one i didn't think real hard about this but uh i i kind of was wondering if um uh thorns of the briar queen might have something here Mm is again little guys that wouldn't mind the upgrades um they yeah. have somebody who would benefit from, I mean, there are plenty of guys who benefit from getting uh, buffed with the um, uh, the ephemeral fortitude. Um, and uh, they like being on guard, so that illusory form is handy for them. So I don't know. I actually hadn't considered these guys much. But yeah, you got a plenty of ways of getting around the board. And yeah, you know, I, I think so. This is an interesting, just general uh, rivals meta question, but like, I think the more fighters you have, the more at risk you are. Yeah. Because right? we found the glory differentials were tiny. Yeah. And having yeah, that's a good point. four two wound fighters that are on one dodge feels really rough. <laughs> um, like if you, if, so say, say you're playing Thorns and you roll into Magors playing Illusions. Like it almost feels like a field day for Magors. Yeah. I'm not saying yeah. that you can't run big <laughs> fighter warbands in uh, in in rivals, but it just it feels like you're gonna need to not be hemorrhaging glory. Right. You can't you can't make up for the 
glory you lose as easily um, as you could if you got to really fine tune your objective deck. So yeah, was there a faction that uh, you were interested in? So some of the ones that I thought about, I have since thought better of because they <laughs> would probably have better just rivals decks for themselves <laughs> in general. So it's like, no, don't don't run crushes with this. That, <laughs> run their deck um yeah. but something like you know storm sires probably not terrible um hmm. again survivable have a nice range of weapons i think they suffer from not benefiting from the weapons as much yeah um and then the only other one that i'd given any thought to is uh the wild hunt mm. um i think i think uh, Elthian and uh, Shiak pre-inspire both can benefit from so their extra reach for Shiak, extra accuracy and damage for Elthian both. Oh, interesting. Yeah, feel pretty good. They get on um, their charge counter and they get to inspire. Yeah, hmm. but they're they're also a little bit fragile. Um, so I do worry about that a little bit, but yeah. I don't think it's terrible. Like you could probably make it work. You'd be like turbo aggro though. You'd you really <laughs> need to get the kills. You're not just going to survive by yeah. walking into enemy territory and not killing your opponent. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, all right. Well, what, uh, what else do we have to say about um, illusory might or illusions in general? I, I just think, um, the only thing that I've come away with, and we've mentioned this already, is that it feels like illusions are a mechanic that needs to be explored some more. I don't think I've seen too many people talking about using them and feels like they could actually be pretty solid in the right warbands. I don't know how many you use or exactly how you build it, but it they feel pretty good to me. Um, mm. So I think it's something worth exploring. And, uh, I, I think so, and I think part of that though is that there just haven't been very many good universal illusions for up until now. True, I guess if we just take a quick outside of illusory nemesis, there are four. I'm, I think I'm counting four, and one of those is chaos specific. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I guess fair point. Uh, I don't think that we've had enough yet to really be able to do anything with them yeah um but i think i think as we've said many times this of the seven in here there's there's something for just about anybody um there's there's some pretty good stuff in here um better better than i thought at first definitely so, uh i really want to see somebody do some cool stuff with uh false presence that that feels like uh some really cool moments get could get pulled off with that thing so Yes, I think that you could definitely pull some interesting sort of yo-yo tricks there. <laughs> yeah, now I'm now I'm just like spending time looking at the, <laughs> the other illusions out there. What are all so. these, what's all of this? Yeah, and I think it's worth keeping an eye as well on um, this Warlords or Rivals Plus format. Um, mm. So, so the the tournament that Compact wrote about was actually run at Warhammer. Uh, Warhammer world. So, um, obviously they are supporting it. You know, GW is, 
Yeah. And I think it has some potential to be an interesting. I mean, like Rivals is interesting, but I think Rivals naturally filters the field pretty heavily. Mm-hmm. Um, we've we've mentioned already that like Hrothgorn is super turbo mode in <laughs> uh, <laughs> in Rivals. I think he's got what eight surges. Mm. Yeah, like, it's just I, some silly stuff where it was like I don't know what they were necessarily planning here. <laughs> um, and then he's just got some really powerful cards in general. So, uh, but I think that 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 extra bit of being able to sort of filter some of the bad stuff out of your rivals deck could mean that um, that warlord format does feel uh, pretty solid. Yeah, totally. So something to keep an eye on for sure mm-hmm. well all right uh i really like the experiment of uh trying this deck i think her original plan was to uh run illusory might versus silent menace on something and then we decided that was we'll, we'll just make it be played into rivals matchups that might be yeah not a, not a great <laughs> test so, um but uh it was a good lear- learning experience for me and i i really liked uh, i really like playing rivals um turns out so I like being forced to use cards that I wouldn't otherwise include and then just, you know, try and crack that puzzle of how do I, how do I figure out how to make this good? And it, it, there was a learning curve too, where, uh, we were both like kind of good natured grumbling, like, Oh my God, this hand looks so bad. Like, <laughs> what do I do? You're like, like, well, I guess it, you know, the, whatever I've got going on, so does the other player, you know, they're, they're yeah. struggling, you know, I, just because it looks like I'm only going to get two glory this round, you know that's great if the other guy gets none or one you know so yeah i think we uh, had multiple end phases where nobody scored anything so <laughs> yeah um yeah definitely it's a different mindset but it felt it felt interesting it was, it was like yeah this is nice it's not just like this crazy hyper mode where everybody's scoring 20 glory like to <laughs> sort of yeah. make sure that you actually can get the get the win Little, little bit of a call out to very early in season one where I was yeah. like breaking double oh, digits felt like a, do, you, do you hear about Phil he got 12 glory in that game like no way no. <laughs> yeah 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 uh well any last thoughts or should we wrap this up let's wrap this one up okay sounds good if you want to get in touch with us about the uh podcast uh you can reach us on twitter at wthcast or what the hexcast at gmail.com uh, you can check out all the Mortal Realms Network content. Uh, that's the story phase. That's Dogs of Warcry. Uh, that's Path to Story. Uh, and there's still some cool archive stuff there from uh, Eric. Um, he's got like a comic strip up in there that's uh, pretty entertaining. Good stuff. Uh, but that's the MortalRealms.com where you can go check that out. Coming up, we will be figuring out maybe a little Acon prep. Uh, maybe we'll look at some of the faction cards. Um, uh, and uh, may break down. I just want to say thanks for everybody who uh, uh, took the time to fill out that survey. So I'm going to be parsing the results of that at some point, and um, at at the very least, we'll share some of that. Uh, not not all it's particularly interesting for for the listener perspective, but uh, there were some pretty great answers on favorite cards and favorite fighters. So we'll we'll make sure to pass those around. Uh, and, uh, just one more thing. We, uh, had a little conversation on our end and I think we're going to, uh, make a, a minor adjustment right now. The podcast is coming out, uh, every other Monday. So, um, on a, a biweekly basis on Monday mornings, uh, we are going to adjust that to be 
biweekly basis on Saturday mornings uh, with the intent of uh, when things line up well, we can get you that content a little earlier um, and line up with uh, the uh, new release schedule uh, as, in, as embargoes and such um, clear. So um, should be pretty invisible um, to most but uh, yeah, you, you, this, uh, this episode is out on a Monday and then the next one after this, you can look for, uh, I guess it'll be, you'll get your episode that much faster for that one time. Uh, your recommended listening is Civil War and that's off of Use Your Illusion 2 uh, by Guns N' Roses. For what the heck, Sabin Davey. And this is Phil. way yeah. more jabbery about that than it needed to be <laughs> <laughs> all right uh, i should probably have <laughs> listened a little closer there oh where am i uh, i need a new tab Draknar. <laughs>